live from Oak to... Uh, hey, Matt. Hey, Adam. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Not too shabby. It's, um... It's our Sunday recording, which I think we'll we'll be enjoying for the time being. With, with life going down, yeah, yeah. This is gonna. Uh, so as you said, I can't remember if you said this on the recording last week, but we're gonna be AM in the AM. Yeah, yeah we're back to it. <laughs> uh, so this week we watched uh, what seems to be the final Daniel Craig cha- uh, chapter in the Daniel Craig saga of the James Bond series. Uh, we watched No Time to Die. Yeah, the long delayed No Time to Die. The long delayed, and then okay, like, and then weirdly, um, like, even though this movie was finished before the pandemic, like, Pressing felt it. very like <laughs> pandemicy. <it>. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> easily spreadable. This virus. Spoilers abound. Everyone, we're getting right into it with this one. Oh yeah, and it, and it kills the people. Like, theoretically, like, if you're infected with it, then it kills everyone you're related to. So, like, it's it kills the people you, like, you're closest to, which, yeah, again, feels weirdly COVID-y. Um, yeah. So... Really, let's do a summary of this movie very quickly. Yeah, so... Uh, you want me to James, it? Or... James Bond is happy. Oh, yeah, you can do it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> James Bond is living a very happy life with Madeline Swan from the last turd of a James Bond movie, Spectre. She is, however, being tracked by Ernest Stavro Blofeld along with Bond, and they are attacked. They split up. Bond has to find his way back into the fold with MI6 after living a life of retirement, but he's drawn in by one last uh, visage, vestige of Spectre that's out there in the world still operating. He's back in the fold. He has to contend with his demons and ultimately ride this one off into the sunset and see through a tunnel of light. I don't know. It, pretty good summary, I feel. And then, do we want to give the the big spoiler away? Oh, we're absolutely going to get into it, but not yeah. in this, this quick summary. So. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Well, so, um, yeah, and so this is actually, like, the second full James Bond movie I think I've ever seen. I think I've seen Skyfall, which I loved. Okay. I've seen, and I've talked about this, like, I've seen bits and pieces of james bond movies kind of like throughout my life like my dad used to really like watching them when they were on cable i don't he doesn't watch them as much anymore but um and then actually this morning i noticed on hulu they have a lot of the uh the james bond films up so while i was making waffles this morning i had dr no going in the background and i feel like i've seen parts of dr no but uh i I liked how uh how groovy it was (laughs) Felix Leiter's sunglasses are the vibe. Oh yeah, and then that, and then it was like Felix Leiter's like first movie, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah Felix Leiter's been around, so it works. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, yeah, I was trying to think of like where is he, is he, you, you, you love a James Bond. You, oh, I've seen them all, <laughs> it's, except for Casino Royale, that David Niven one. I've seen them all, and I. James Bond, it's interesting seeing every decade how it influences the character, and the Daniel Craig Bond has been one that has shown more 
more growth as a character, I feel. Whereas mm-hmm. otherwise, James Bond is just in the adventure. Mm-hmm. I love the other Bond films. Craig definitely goes through the ringer, and they're constantly referencing his past. Tracy Bond, granted, was brought up in previous Bond movies, but that was kind of a passing reference, less of like a strong influence that they're clearly showing Bond has trauma over in this film. Yeah. So. Yeah, it seemed like there was like a real... Especially, I mean... So I've seen the first half of Casino Royale. I've seen okay. Skyfall, and then I've seen Now No Time to Die. So I've missed... Casino uh, Royale and Quantum of Solace are currently on Amazon Prime, Adam, for free. Yeah. So you could watch them there. I could, I could. I Yeah, I, I always think... Well, though, but people don't like Quantum of Solace, right? I, I, I like Quantum of Solace, but it's an addendum to Casino Royale. It closes out that story. And people really don't like Spectre. I hate Spectre. Yeah. That movie sucks. I'm just like, it does so much of a disservice. I get what they're trying to do, but I was like, man, you really, like, you just flubbed the ball there. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, I I was reading a whole article about, I, and again, I, I, I don't have a lot of context for this, but about, I remember when Skyfall came out, the, the big conversation was that Bond had become Jason Bourne. Yeah. And, and this like kind of nonstop action, and I I have seen the Bourne films, and I can I, just kind of going off of I think what I've seen of bits and pieces of like the Bond franchise before, and seeing Skyfall and uh, Spectre, and you know uh, especially Casino Royale, the part I've seen, um, I can see the the uh, Jason Bourne influence. Also, though, I, I read this article this morning talking about how like Bond has increasingly become like a superhero like at least using the tropes of like a, of the modern superhero movie in these movies to a degree yeah i just obviously he's not well we haven't gotten into this adam but yeah he's no tom cruise from the mission impossible movies but yeah <laughs> well i i was thinking just having watched watching the beginning of dr no and having just seen no time to die last night like i think uh, like Doctor No is very much more like I, the spy movie. Like there's like all of these like kind of secret phone calls, and like there's there's a uh, what, what were they just doing in like the the very beginning? You know, like very tiny guns to kill each other, like secretly and stuff like that. Uh, you should you should watch From Us with Love and Goldfinger as well. Like Goldfinger's like the grooviest, right? Like I love Goldfinger. It was one of my first Bond films. It has I mean, you're seeing the Aston Martin DB five in this movie mm-hmm. really take on its own life, but that all came from Goldfinger where that car was first introduced. Mm. It is the known car you've seen Catch Me If You Can. Yes, I've seen Catch Me If You Can. Leonardo DiCaprio's um, character, Frank Abagnale, is, like, mirroring that from that film. Like, he um, wants the DB5. He's trying to get the suit exactly like Connery, because that's, like, the peak Connery bond, I feel. Oh. Okay, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was... Um, so, just, I think, going into this film, like... Uh, Okay, one when I saw it was three hours, I was like, I mean, yeah, I was like, oh man, three hours. (laughs) I mean, two forty-three, but yeah, 
but I so well, like I had been planning to see this on Thursday after school. Like I was gonna like run up to the the Chinese and go see it, and then it was just like, oh man, like I don't. I, I've just had a full day at work. I wasn't anticipating being like, you it's a know, three hour movie. Yeah. It's a three hour movie. It's a and that, like, um. But but like I I mean when when I last so like last night I saw it I had like a like a nice kind of full day's rest and I'd I'd gone into work yesterday too but like it was low key so, um, and I I I know I was excited and I knew this was going to be the last Daniel Craig one like they they kept saying that you know so oh they I, kept saying that. <laughs> And, you know, it had been put off for so long. And then, like, in addition, like, I knew Lashana Lynch was going to be in this one, and I yes. really like her. Uh, I have a long-standing crush on Ben Wishaw, and I uh, was excited to see him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that was... And then and then also, I was interested to see what Kerry Fukunaga had done. Like, I'm not the... I ha- haven't seen much of his work, but I know people like him. Like, I've seen... I think of his movies, I've only seen Jane Eyre. Oh, really? Okay. I haven't but, seen much of his work outside of True Detective. That's really, like, season one was my focus there. But I, I know he was... It, it, it's, like, like, widely considered... The reason the first season of True Detective was so good was because he was directing that first season, and then he only remained on as a executive producer for the... Uh, follow-up seasons. Uh, to be fair, the follow-up seasons also didn't have as much time to marinate story-wise. They were trying to just pump it out. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can imagine what like what that causes. <laughs> but um, but and then also I know he'd kind of like he hadn't he'd yet to have a big franchise film. Like for a while he was attached to it, um, and then he ended up only. Uh, he ended up believing that, and he only has a screenwriting credit on that movie, and I don't know how much more, like, how much beyond just writing the initial screenplay he may have contributed. Um, so I was excited to see what he would do with, like, this, it's a, I, like, a, it looks like a $300 million budget movie, and, yeah, um, yeah like, a, a, I think an iconic, at least what was trying to, they were trying to build up as an iconic one to, you know, this sequence of them, and uh, ultimately, I I liked it. I liked his directorial touches. I like. I thought. Um, I I enjoyed myself in this, but I think overall, I I wasn't like. I don't know. Like. I I thought the I the, I liked all of the pieces of it. This didn't fully come together as like a, like I enjoyed myself out. It was a fine night out. Like it dragged a little bit at the end, but I say that about basically every movie <laughs> and saying, uh, yeah. yeah tell me uh Car- the director carrie uh Fuka- yeah, fukunaga um, right isn't fukunaga, that it yeah carrie, carrie joy fukunaga um he i believe he is the first american director of a bond film which is oh. pretty fascinating there because breaking that long-standing tradition and i especially like i i you were talking about um, how you liked his direction. I, I appreciated the action sequences, um, particularly that one where it was kind of literally a dance sequence for Paloma and Bond. Mm-hmm. There's some music playing. They're doing, and it's not. It is Bourne inspired, but it's also not Bourne directed because Bourne gets very chaotic in its camera work there. Mm-hmm. And so it's just fascinating to see like this more 
and and not like the hovering camera from the Born Identity from Doug Liman's Born films. Mm. Like it's it is an involved camera, but it's it, it's a modern action film. I mean, they're seeing clearly what Netflix has done with like the extraction action sequences and whatnot. I don't know when this was completed in comparison to that, but it's it, it's its own beast. It, it is. I like. I definitely prefer Skyfall to this movie. I will say. In terms of the Craig Bond film, Skyfall is the top, but for the send-off for um, Daniel Craig's Bond that you get, which is, um, we'll get into that, we're definitely going to get into that, but um, for the send-off that it is, it, I think it actually works really well, um, and it, I think it all comes back to script, that's why I really hate Spectre, um, Spectre had a very poor script, and this one, I don't know how much... Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge contributed to the script, but you can definitely tell this one was punched up a lot. And well, I think that the humor in it especially felt like... Oh, but it wasn't, like, forced upon as humor. Like, you need to understand with Spectre, like, they... I think they literally, like, put some, like, sound effects in. Like, whoop! Like, really? Certain, yeah. For, like, Dave Bautista's character, when he gets offed, like, that guy has, like, some weird, like, whoop! And he's, like, <laughs> pulled off a train or some shit. And I was like, what is... I don't even care that I'm spoiling that movie, because people just wikipedia that one or look up the youtube highlights do not watch spend two hours of your life on that it's not worth it um this movie redeems that in my opinion adam because that was such a poor if you want to watch like a trash film that introduces christoph waltz's character like that's great but it's not a great film it's a beautiful film but it's the script is very poor and skyfall was like had built up a lot of goodwill for me and that was an amazing movie you've seen it i mean there you go oh no i know for for like (laughs) i i'm always on the lookout for movies i can go see with my dad um and like skyfall like it has to be like it has to be like a movie I'm not going to be like rolling my eyes through, but it also can't be a movie that my dad is like. Like my dad actually like has a rather refined, uh, um, like movie like taste in movies. Like my I I've I think I talked about this before. Like I I've come in and my dad is watching like foreign films that like I keep I have on like my list and I keep being like oh yeah I'm totally gonna watch that I'm totally gonna watch that and I come in and my dad is like watching like Phoenix or my dad is watching uh you know um this is not a foreign film but you know like Mildred Pierce or something and and my dad is just as likely for me to be walking in and (laughs) to be watching like can't like van life videos on YouTube or like the most, you know, like Steven Seagal-y of Steven Seagal movies. Like my my dad loves it all. Okay. He's a Renaissance man, proper Renaissance man. But like I like going to the movies. I think my dad likes like something that's gonna be kind of like exciting and you know like manly and stuff. And so, um, Skyfall, uh, Sky, Skyfall was definitely like a hit. Like we normally go see the Quentin Tarantino movies together too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. But, 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 uh, no, and I have a Spectre open in front of me. I needed no time to die open in front of me. Uh, you get, I mean, with Skyfall, you get all those great shots from Roger Deakins, and that's mm-hmm. really hard to top. I mean, that fire in the hills over by Bond's house, you get gorgeous shots of, like, Silva's, like, island, and, like, it's very grandiose. It's really just... That's peak Bond for me. Well, and I think that... Sorry. Yeah, cool. When I, I, yeah, I think I was actually going to... Wanting to talk about that. Like, because I think you're right. Like, 
I mean, like, Roger, you're not going to be Roger Deakins. Like, you're you're just not going to do it. Like, um, and uh, I I think that was one thing I really loved about Skyfall, and 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 also I think um, Sam Mendes is a like is not just a film director; he's a theater director, and I think a lot of what I love about his films are that they they few like when he's working well like sometimes i don't know what sam mendes is going on about but like mm-hmm. when like i think his films really sing when he has this he he leans into the theatrical side of his kind of impulses as well as his cinematic ones like i think 1917 is is a perfect example of that um but but uh and and i but and this film i think just is not that kind of like composed in like such a wonder as a wonderful way and it seems like it does want to be like i i they're like a lot of cool shots like i liked there was this one where they're like walking across the street and it's it shows them at an angle and then you follow them at this kind of like odd angle to the other side of the street that I thought was very cool in Cuba, I think with when he's with Anna de Armas. Uh, but the, the, the comp- cinematographer for this one is Linus Sandgren, who won the, the Oscar for La La Land. Oh. Um, but I didn't see, I mean, and then I saw, I actually saw first man. <laughs> um, and I, I know, like I wouldn't have thought the cinematographer I don't know, just with how good the cinematography is in those two films. Like, I did not think it was, this film was on par with that. Granted, again, we're talking about comparing this with Roger Deakins, who is literally King King Camera. Yeah. So Finally got his Oscar. <laughs> finally, finally. I also have to say, um, like, I like Hans Zimmer as a composer, but I was, I thought the score, his score for this one felt a little derivative. Was this Hans Zimmer, really? I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, it just felt a very, like, oh, it's a Hans Zimmer score, okay, it's a lot of, I mean, and maybe I'm not being fair, I, I, I hate when people say that about Philip Glass, I feel like Philip Glass's scores are, like, actually quite, um, though he can, he can also be just kind of a little derivative when he's doing a movie too but i mean i i appreciate the bond madeline theme that you also get um cued into from no time to die by billy eilish i thought that was compared to the sam smith writing on the wall song i strongly preferred a no time to die adele skyfall is my top of the bond films but i actually like all the songs outside of sam smith's <laughs> the craig bond films i enjoy the chris cornell one i enjoy the jack white and alicia keys one I, like they are not the best songs, but also like they rank higher than Writings on the Wall, which I do yeah. not feel deserve the Oscar. So I looked it up, and what was the competition? A lot of songs from movies I didn't know. So. <laughs> well, the 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 story of that year was that was like late. That was supposed to be Lady Gaga's Oscar, and she and not, went like what for? Well, for for a song that I quite liked, uh, but she also composed with Diane Warren, who Diane Warren is kind of one of the is a long term like when is she going to get an Oscar uh, composer? Because she's oh. nominated like almost every she's nominated every other year it seems, and she's never uh, yeah like she's never won. Oh. 
Like Dan yeah. Warren has been nominated one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve times and has never won. And she's been nominated every year for the last four years. <laughs> Interesting. And uh, then it went to this song. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. It did. Um but like that was a weird I I didn't <laughs> I remember being so mad when they called him out when they when he won. What else was? Oh, that's right. That's Ania Morricone won. Um, the the this best original song category is so weird. Like it, I think it has yeah. really specific rules and about what can be nominated and what can't. And sometimes you get stuff that like it should be, but it just isn't. Yeah, and this is strongly a case where I'm just like, guys, what were you doing? Um, but uh, let's talk. Like, I, I mean, I did enjoy No Time to Die. I thought, I thought, I thought Daniel Craig's performance was was really good. Like, I, I really, he's always very engaging in a movie, and I think I, I, I always want to like in my mind, I think of him as not having like a super big range, but he actually is like. V- very versatile. <laughs> yeah, it's and he plays off the humor again from Bond really well in this film. Mm. He and I'm just gonna return to it. I hate Spectre so much. <laughs> like they tried to insert some lines for Bond, and I feel like they were like, like there's a a certain corniness that I feel like Roger Moore's Bond can get away with mm-hmm. that Daniel Craig can't. And they tried to introduce a little of that Roger Moreness into Spectre, and it didn't work. This movie, I, I'm very down with it. There's just like he gets his lines. It was mind blowing, and I was like, it was like there you go, <laughs> like very into that style. And Daniel Craig can pull it off. He can be, he can he is he is the handsome brutish Bond to me. But he can pull off the charm, and that's what you need to be like your your super spy. That's that is more action oriented, like Jason Bourne, but at the same time needs to be suave and like fit into like high society in his own right. And Daniel Craig could pull that off. Yeah, no, I think he. I, I mean, I don't know, I, and I think this was like a really like I, we haven't mentioned this. Like he dies in this movie. Mm-hmm. So Bond, like, yeah, like one of your last things is he dies in this movie, and I think like Daniel Craig, like this, I don't know, he's he, he the, like the broccoli is like Barbara Broccoli owes Daniel Craig so much for like I think how successfully he. I think both reinvented this character and I think like gave it a lot of depth and gave it a lot of meaning after what 20, this is 25, this is Bond 25 after 25 films. Yeah. Uh, he, James Bond is still kind of an engaging character. It's an interesting franchise that just has kept endured. Yeah. And is worldwide loved. Yeah. And that's a tricky thing to pull off. Like granted we get Marvel movies, but even Marvel's like, I feel like Marvel's navigating so much territory with China these days for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's yeah. their big shit. And somehow Bond is able to negate that. I'm not quite sure how. Well, I was thinking as I was watching Dr. No this morning, um, like, Bond came out in the kind of the twilight of the British Empire from, like, the 60s. Like, I mean, really, like, the 50s on. But, like, the after World War II, the British Empire had, like, a kind of 
30, 40 year, very slow unwinding. And you had like, uh, all of these countries declare independence. You had like, um, uh, you know, the breaking up of the empire, the empire converts into the Commonwealth. You have like England is on rationing until the sixties because of world war two. You have like just all of these different things. And, uh, James Bond is a very nice kind of, I think, hero in that, like, he's really important and he's kind of like doing a lot of things around the world. Um, be and like and he and his his persona is so tied up in his britishness and his refinedness and his like you know math his i think very i think like a very british masculinity um i it, it feels kind of like it makes sense why both why he uh in why james bond emerged as it did as a, as a series kind of post, uh, when was the first one in the James 1960, 1960, why it came out then. And then why it continued to, I think be popular at, at, cause I think it presents, uh, uh, a fantasized version of, of British importance and influence around the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's endured and it's transformed. It's grown as well. Yeah. And yeah. And you get different iterations and we all, I think we welcome it. It's so weird to think about like the next iteration right now. Cause it's in its infancy still. Really yeah. To think about like seeing the next Wolverine or seeing the next Iron Man. Like these are not conversations that we are privy to at all. They're certainly thinking about it, but when will we see it? That's, and for people that have defined those roles for so long, like, what does that even look like and whose shoes are you stepping into like it's wild but bond is able to keep on doing it i have no doubt the next one will be great as well but this is a great send-off for daniel craig it touches it it has a lot going for it i thought it was it does it does have its length maybe that's a little more necessary i felt in this case because it is a real send-off of daniel craig's bond um but I, I also especially enjoyed that none of the women in this movie were killed off. Like, that was actually pretty cool to see. Except, yeah. for, that mom, except for that mom at the beginning. She was the only one. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you need, you need some death. You need, like... <laughs> but that's such a big staple of the Bond films, Adam. Like, if you watch, like, the early ones, like, all the women do die. And it's, like, yeah. it's nuts. Yeah. Like... Except well, I mean, and in, the, in this one, you do have him kind of, like, throw around uh, Leia Seydoux for... I mean, not, like... You know, like, not like you would have seen in the old films where he would have just, like, yeah. slapped her, but, like, <laughs> Yeah, but, like, straight up, like, the, like, a lot of the early women, like, introduced in the first half hour of the Bond films just die through, like, <laughs> villains, they're just the collateral. And it's like, oh, that's so sad, but... I think, I, another, I think, positive development I saw in terms of gender roles for this movie is, like, I think, obviously, we have, like, some very, like... Uh, sexy women in this like you have Anna de Armas in like a v- very booby dress that she looks great in and also like not to like Anna de Armas is so good and I want to talk about her in a minute mm-hmm. but also like Daniel Craig that is like very aestheticized in this movie to the point that one of the first shots of him on is he's in a banana hammock on his boat and like 
I'm just gonna say is is at half mast. Like, <laughs> like or 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 has been stuffed or something, and like there's no way they did they put that in the movie without realizing it. Like, <laughs> it's in that boat scene you said. Yeah, yeah, like very early on, he's like sitting on the side, and I was just like. Daniel, and I mean, and then like it was just funny too because it was like the the preceding the shots that follow it are just very centered on Daniel Craig's dick. Like he's in very tight pants. It's like a lot of like him, kind of like I don't know. Like it feels like his crotch is just in the camera for a lot of the first part of this movie. And then you get a shower scene with him without his butt. But uh, you know, we can't have everything. <laughs> that would have been something had a Bond film showed off his butt. That would yeah. be a great send-off, though. I thought so, too. I was like, you know what? This is the last Daniel Craig movie. They've made, so, they've made so much hay over, like, him in the swimsuit, him and all this stuff. I think it's time. <laughs> they didn't pull that trigger, though. They didn't pull the trigger. Oh, that's what we have fan fiction for. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, yeah like, Daniel Craig's James Bond in Q. That's what I'm going to write. <laughs> oh, um... Uh, so uh, I do. You want to, let's talk about some of the uh, the other. So I mean, I think the the big other kind of player in this movie, besides uh, Rami Malek, you know, right. Rami Malek. Yeah, yeah. I, is this Rami Malek's first role after winning his Oscar? I believe so. Yeah, this yeah. and I think it's good. It's just I kind of do wish there was a bit more to him. I feel. Yeah, I felt a little detached from his villain only because he's not. I, I really did think from the trailers that this would be a bit more personal. It is personal for Bond, but it's not really his personal business. It's his baby mama's. Um, yeah. And that's what we're dealing with here, because it turns out Leia Seydoux, um, she has Bond's baby, and she's been raising that kid, but secretly she was saved, almost assassinated, but saved by Rami Malek's Safin villain, who was getting vengeance on Mr. White for killing his entire family as a child, and he survived. And was horribly scarred by the nerve agent gas. But he, his character is, like, spread throughout the movie. He's gaining his revenge on Spectre by killing Blowfield through Madeline. And he's trying to kill off the rest of the Spectre members. He succeeds in that and wants to unleash his plan upon the world. But it's... I, I just don't feel like he and Bond were, like, ever even on the same room yeah together that that frequently like silva in skyfall is introduced very early on and is still like a presence throughout that movie he is um raul silva javier bardem's like kind of heath ledger take on a bond villain really worked well in that movie well, it's and little, and it's yeah. the, i think that movie does what this movie tries to do which is like that movie has like Silva's going after M, and like that's bringing out all these like feelings in Bond, personal things too. And this is kind of like it becomes global. Yeah, I don't know how I. That's the one thing I felt a little detached from his character, and I kind of wish there was more like to connect them in the beginning. You know. Well, and I was trying to. I had a. I like kept trying to figure out what exactly his plan was. Was like he was going to release the 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 project heracles and destroy some people that he had like a, a certain percentage of the population like very thanos very like kill a thir- yeah. certain percentage of the population that it seems like he had pre-decided 
as well as their family. And then after that, he was somehow going to rule the world? Uh, yeah. Just make it easier for everyone. Eliminate most of the population and be like, hey, I'm the guy who did it. Is it even, is it most though? Does he, he just says like, kill some people. Does he say most? I mean, you look at that map and it looks like most, so. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I guess I just wanted to know what were, what, like, what were his parameters? Like, who was he looking to kill? Like, was it like, was it like a racial thing? Because there's that point where the Russian uh, uh, scientist uh, Obrachev says something to Lashana Lynch as who's new 007 and like says something like racist to her about how he could design it to like wipe her people off the face of the planet. And then she kicks him into the acid, which is like very satisfying. (laughs) Um, but like, I, I, I just, I wanted to know, like, it just felt very vague about exactly who was going to be killed or not. Yeah. Was just going to be all of the Spectre people and their families and anyone who is related to Spectre people because that's some sort of not uh, established something or I don't know. I mean, he's crazy. He's trying to kill people. There you go. I I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to, I have to agree with you. I feel like Remy Malik's like the, the character as a whole, just, it felt a little underdeveloped. Um, I and and I like I've been reading reviews of of Rami Malek's performance, saying it's like not good. I I don't I don't know. I like I I just I just don't think there's a lot there. Also, like it feels like his name his character name is Lucifer Safin. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just it sounds like a like a parody of itself a little bit. I don't know to, to have him be literally named Lucifer. Initially, people thought his character was going to be Dr. No, and it kind of looks like it, but then they pulled back away from that. I don't know. I kind of... Maybe they kind of felt with Spectre, they introduced too much too fast, Mm. too on the nose, and they just wanted to be derivative, but not, like, maybe some minor homage, which, speaking of which, I love seeing, like, minor touches in this film, like the Hall of M's, where you get to see, like, Judy Dench's M and the M from the um, Roger Moore era mm. on the walls. And then you get to also see, like, in the beginning, like, the opening credit sequence starts with um, these colorful um, circles um, moving up and down. And that's very reminiscent of the opening credit scene from Dr. No. Like, these are fun touches I liked seeing to send off Daniel Craig's Bond and also reference the past at the same time. Mm. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I there, especially watching this movie, there were moments where I was like, this is clearly a reference to something, and yeah. I'm just going to, like, keep going with it. Uh, especially with Leia Seydoux, like, he kept, like, they kept talking about other things, and it was like, I this must just be some holdover from Spectre. Yeah, and that's kind of the interesting thing. You had to actually have seen Spectre, um... I personally feel like outside of the Blowfield influence in the Bond, the early Bond films, and the Spectre influence from there, I felt like you still could hop into any of the movies and just be like, ah, it's Spectre, they're doing bad things. It's like G.I. Joe. Cobra's always doing bad things, but it wasn't like a super serialized or um, long-running story arc. It was just like serialized storytelling for that. 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I felt like those Bond movies were. You can see where they build upon each other, but at the same time, it's like every time you get Blofeld, it was a different actor. So there was too much continuity there, and then you're changing Bonds and getting new Bonds and Blofelds. But supposedly the same sto- running storyline. Yeah. Or I, I don't. I don't know if it's a multiverse of James Bonds, if that's the best way to put it, too. Because, um, yeah, this is the... Daniel Craig's Bond is the first Bond to have, like, his own personal arc. Mm. That's different from the other Bond films. Um, I mean, do you think... I, I would be interested to see if they go a little more... Especially because the, the, the Daniel Craig arc has been, I think described as being like a little grittier a little very much in that kind of the early aughts gritty reboot style if mm-hmm. if the what follows after this might be something a little lighter it feels like action movies are back into a kind of like a lighter phase than what they at least were maybe 15 years ago i'm kind of curious it's it's interesting seeing every decade of action and what it becomes yeah. i will say we can identify them and it's like well like my over the top 80s i like my ridiculously macho 90s and the 2000s trying to get smoother with it with the matrix influence and you go on from there you get the john Wick era oh man yeah yeah and then the whole like the just when everything was getting a gritty reboot when we were in high school it was like because batman begins was so successful and then it's like okay mm-hmm. uh spider-man's getting a gritty reboot okay uh oh, yeah. the hulk is getting a gritty reboot <laughs> like yeah no yeah um i mean power like the power rangers movie started out i don't i never saw it but i had to like started out as a trailer that was like a gritty reboot of spider-man or of of uh, sorry a gritty reboot of power rangers like um i was like the opening of the power rangers movie was pretty entertaining was it? I mean, I I mean, in, uh, Elizabeth Banks is Rita Repulsa. You can't can't. Complain. Yeah, but they introduce her as the Green Ranger, who is Rita, and then she like, that's her tie to the whole team. Oh, yeah, it was kind of cool seeing them like duke it out in like the dinosaur era. <laughs> um, I just to call out just a few. Um, I always love seeing Billy Magnuson in films. I think he's very funny and very good and um i always enjoy when he shows up in things uh i loved uh naomi harris as money penny is was somebody i loved in skyfall and so i was happy to see her show up again in this one and then i, I said it before but lashana lynch is is uh the new 007 was mm-hmm. so fun i think she's, she's great. So great also get jeffrey wright back you get Ray Fines. You get you got Ben Wishaw, as you mentioned. Like Bond has his family in this episode. It's yeah. really good. And like Lashana Lynch, who probably isn't going to return to the Captain Marvel franchise, but we don't. Maybe know. it's in small doses. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, she is going to be in um, the next musical that I'm excited for. Oh. Uh, which is the Matilda musical that they're filming that Netflix is going to um, release, I think, sometime early next year. Really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah I think they've... So she's going to be Miss Honey in that movie. Oh, okay. That's fun. And then for a minute... Um, oh, wait, no, sorry. It's, it's going to be released at the end of next year, which makes sense. They always do musicals in December. Uh, 
Oh. It's, but it's going to be on Netflix. That'll be nice. Um, originally, just side note, originally, uh, you do you do know Matilda? You know the... the yeah. Yeah. The, so the musical, like, that, that's that been very successful, I think it won Best Musical at the Tonys, but I can't remember. It's it's still playing in London, and it's, it has been... Um, uh, traditionally, the Trunchbull in the musical is played by a man. Oh, okay. And I think in light of, like, a lot of, I think, uh, uh, I think trans activism calling out, like, I, I mean, I, I think there's nuance to this, but I think, like, they, a lot of people in the trans community feel like when you have a man playing a woman and part of the joke is that it's a man, mm-hmm. it's like contributes to transphobia which i think there's a point to but at any rate so originally when they announced this movie there were rumors that ray fines was going to be the trunchbull oh that would have been interesting and then they um production got moved because of covid because they were going to shoot it in december of last year and then later on, they confirmed that it was Emma Thompson as the Trunchbull. And I just really wonder if that six months was the difference between, like, <laughs> like uh, uh, you know, um, Rafe Fiennes doing it and then the film getting, you know, uh, boycotted and Emma Thompson now doing it and... You know, Emma Thompson's gonna be great. So. She's gonna be so good. And the trend, I I really love the the Matilda musical. Lashana Lynch is gonna be great as Miss Honey. Like this is a really excellent cast they have lined up, and they have who's directing it? Are they having? I think they're having the original theater director direct it. So I think it's Matthew Arcus, which will be exciting. It'll be cool. Um, that we, but we can go back to uh, uh, James Bond. Sorry, that's your musical minute, everyone. Musical minute. Um, any any um anyone in the, like moments in this film that like you were like just any casting in this film you were especially like loved. I mean, overall, like you mentioned, Anna Dalmas. I thought her character, despite her brief appearance in the grand scheme of this movie, was great. I mean, and she got to live. She also got to have that, like, kind of the more klutzy Bond girl moment, and it's fun, you know. I I agree. Like, I thought when she showed up, like, well, Anna Dalmas is just so she's like very like. I feel like there's all there's like a certain type of actress who whenever they show up and they're in their kind of their early 20s they're always compared to or actually, I guess she's in her 30s though. Mm-hmm. Um they're always compared to Audrey Hepburn but she really has that like kind of like bubbly char- charisma like of uh an Audrey Hepburn and like she was a much needed like just kind of fun mm-hmm. note and I I I thought she did the klutzy thing without it being like I don't know, like eye rolly. She, I thought she was very yeah. cute and funny, and added a lot to the her scenes. Yeah, and every every character was distinct, and that's what I appreciated ultimately. Like we're like we, I really walked into this thinking, hey, I mean, I don't think I'll be disappointed, but we easily could be cheated out of like a great send off for mm. Daniel Craig. And this movie like hits all the notes for me. I only felt. Really, my big criticisms are that it was a little longer, but maybe that was necessary for some beats, but also that Safin wasn't really, like, super connected still to me. 
Mm-hmm. And those those are my two big criticisms. Outside of that, I very much enjoyed this movie. It's a pretty movie. It's a exciting movie. The action beats are there. I want to go traveling again, and there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like where do they where do they go in this movie? They go to Cuba. They go oh, to Jamaica, they're in Italy. Or yeah, it's Jamaica, right? Where he's Bond's residing. Oh me, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And then they go to Norway. Yeah, uh, the, okay, <laughs> maybe I was just not paying attention, <laughs> but like, so Leia Seydoux is working at MI6, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, she's working as the psychologist for that Blofeld connection. Is Blofeld held in Norway, or is he held in London? I think he's held in London. Her so Norway I mean, places, oh, I guess she always, she always drives there then, wow. Because that's just there. <laughs> I know. I guess I was just like, does does Lacey do like live like? I mean, okay, like even if we're not thinking it's Norway, let's say like it's, but it's by the water. Like, so does she drive like three hours every day to work and back? Um, like, <laughs> maybe she brings the kid with her, and there's a daycare at <laughs> Bel Belmont Belry place. Wherever they were holding Blowfield. They, they tried to give him some Hannibal Lecter vibes. It was kind of interesting. I hope MI6 has childcare. Like, they better for what they're they're expecting of their workers. Like, oh, my God. That, yeah, okay, the whole Hannibal... I did think the Hannibal Lecter vibes, it was a little overplayed. I, I, I felt like a little too much of a direct reference to silence of the lambs and but then it got I, it just it felt so silly with him being on the motorized thing and pulling him forward like yeah i don't know this man is i just here here's where i'm gonna leap some movie logic it's like obviously well there's some beats but there's this poison that needs to get to blowfield and it's like you have this whole elaborate like box device on a traction like motor to like move him forward in his little box but the box is open daniel craig can still get a little brutish with him and it's just like what the hell man (laughs) yeah like what (laughs) it felt like um like like, all that no (laughs) felt like like the zoltar box from big yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I know. I guess I just imagined like <laughs> I don't know having now to be like you know I don't I don't like discipline students super often, but like n- knowing now like the the amount of eye rolling and st- like what have you that like you get from even the most basic discipline. Like I I just have to imagine like prisoners like like. Blomfield knows they're not going to kill him at that point. So, like, whatever he does, he's like he's got like free reign to to say whatever the hell he wants. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, other than I like overall, like I enjoyed. I thought this was fun. I thought it was fun. Like, yeah. it's it's a good. I don't know, and it is very prescient. What with the virus and going into COVID, so who knew. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, who was uh, is Mister White the one that tries to cut off? No, Mads Mikkelsen is the one that tries to cut off uh, yeah. his balls. Okay, yeah. Mister okay. White is the one that kills Mads Mikkelsen. 
Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, no. Overall, I enjoy this. That was great. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I would like run to watch this again, but it did make me want to. Like, uh, I put on Doctor No this morning and was enjoying that while I was watching it. And I think I'll go ahead and watch Goldfinger, which is also on Hulu right now. Yeah, do or... it. Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's on Pluto for free. Uh, oh, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu and Amazon. Oh, okay, it's everywhere. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, anything more you want to say about No Time to Die? No, it's a it's a good movie. I was happy with the send off personally. What do you actually? What do you think about Rafe Fines as M? I don't know how I felt about him in this movie, but leading up into it from Skyfall, I I enjoy his character. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess like M is always supposed to be kind of like a a, a stern figure. Yeah, the the whole. I mean, I don't know. I, I, and again, I just I got lost with, and I I really did pa- try to pay attention. I got lost with the whole like M oversee like oversaw the creation of this project Heracles, which then got out of hand, which then yeah, I don't know. I was trying to like, but also okay, also like M both oversees MI six and then also. Like seems to like oversee like military operations too. What do you mean, like the whole ship or something? That yeah, like yeah, I think like the ship and the fact that like M is the one who's giving the and I get I get it I get it, it's a movie it's it's Amanda Waller like screaming like turn the fuck around like at the TV and stuff but like. <laughs> I get. I mean, maybe maybe I just talked myself into it. Like, I get it. I get it. It's supposed to be like this shadowy government organization that runs everything, and that's why, like, you know, what have you, some level of more autonomy over governmental affairs than previously known. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, not bad. And I think if you're a James Bond person, you it gives you gives you your money's worth. Definitely gives you your money's worth. <laughs> I mean, the action, the travel, it's all there. It's very fun. I was in- I am interested in what this movie might have looked like if... Because uh, Danny Boyle was attached to direct it for a while. He was, yeah. And um, Danny Boyle's been on, like, a weird kick since winning his Oscar. Like, he, like, he made 127 Hours, which I remember liking, but, like, every time I hear it talked about now, people talk about hating it. So maybe I was just, like, you know... I've seen it. I've seen it the once. It's good. Um, yeah, I've never been like, oh, I need to go back to it. I've heard trance is is insane, but enjoyable. Uh, Steve, I actually really like the Steve Jobs movie. Um, you really like and I think what? what? What do you really like? The Steve Jobs movie. I didn't... Oh yeah, I like that one with Michael uh, Fassbender. With Michael Fassbender, yeah, I think that, and then and then um, I haven't seen. Then he followed that up with T two Train Spotting, uh, which I've never seen the original Train Spotting nor T two, so I don't know. And then I then yesterday was his last film that came out, and was that film successful? That film was like weirdly, like majorly successful. <laughs> the the movie about the guy who like gets lightning shocked into an alternate world where 
the Beatles never existed, so he just that invents fun, all of the Beatles was songs. Movie. Um, was I it fun? Did I tell you the spoiler? I don't give a shit. I'll tell you the spoiler. Okay, um, tell me the spoiler. Okay, so the only thing I really disliked about that movie was the fact that there's... It's it's ultimately a romance, Adam, and it's the boy meets girl, but he needs to realize the girl he's wanted to be with has been the one with him his whole life. And once he gets famous, he starts kind of realizing that, and like they kind of delay them getting together mm. for like 20 to 30 minutes. And it's just like, they could get together in this moment. He's literally acknowledging that he's like willing to like spend his life with her and the fame doesn't matter, which is the ultimate point of the movie, I feel. Mm-hmm. And they drag it out. She's like, no, you need to be successful. And you get him being successful. And I'm like, what was the point of this? Like, we're literally going to get back to this relationship because yeah. they need to be together. That's my gripe against that movie. But otherwise, the concept is very novel and fun. That, that, I mean, that sounds... I mean, actually, that's I've, that sounds like a, a something I would quite like. I hear what you're saying with, like, the... I I hate that in movies in general. It seems like it's a... It's, I don't know if it's, like, a screenwriter trick or if it's, like... They want to, if you, it's like a studio note where they want to get like one more thing in for this. But like, um, I hate the like drama for drama's sake. And it's, and you know, we're just going to kind of circle back to a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's just unnecessary. It's like, why? I, I did have that a little bit with the ending of this film where like, of No Time to Die, mm-hmm. where it's like. It just felt like like all of a sudden they were like, now you have to run to the top of the tower. Now you have to run back here. Now you have yeah. to run back here. And it's like, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Get your money's worth out of that set, though. Yeah, yeah. It was a very, that was a very good set. I liked the poison garden. I thought that was a good uh, uh, detail. Funny enough, this goes back to like my fiction class in college. I was like <laughs> writing a whole like, kind of my own version of a spy novel like in this class and it was like my villain was in a greenhouse like talking about his like plants and how poisonous they were and i was like oh well, there you go someone else is doing it too <laughs> it's great oh i would read that that sounds li- that sounds lovely have it you ever is, i'll send you a version of it adam it's not great but <laughs> it's fun oh all right well um do you let's see do you want to go into any have you cooked anything fun you know i got carnitas going in the sous vide we keep on making eggs having breakfast sandwiches here it's good days good days but that carnitas haven't made that in a bit so i'm very excited i'm thinking about um there's a c the altadena farms market does a csa box where you can get fresh eggs and they're ex- like they're expensive but they're not like that like i think it's like eight for a dozen eight dollars for a dozen um which is more than i would spend for but it's not is about the same price i would spend on like the really nice eggs at whole Foods. so i don't know i've been really into like good eggs uh because i i've bought because i've bought like the absolute cheapest eggs I can buy for the longest time. And I'm realizing like, Oh, the reason you spend more money on the eggs is that they taste better. Yeah. Maybe I should do that. I bet you like, yeah, I would bet you somebody in your, in near you like sells farm fresh eggs. 
I mean, personally, I used to go to Berkeley Bowl all the time, and I loved getting their eggs because I knew they were quality eggs at a good yeah. price. Um, I don't go to Berkeley Bowl anymore. Maybe I should just make a special trip these days because it might be worth it. Berkeley Bowl, I just remember parking there was, like, such a beast. Well, were you going to the original or were you going to Berkeley Bowl West? Um, I remember there was a library near it. I remember there was Bowl... Let's see, Berkeley Bowl. I was going to... Let's see, Berkeley Bowl, Oregon Street is... I'm trying to get some street view on here. I was going to Berkeley Bowl... Yeah, the Berkeley Bowl on Oregon Street. I think yeah, the original one, not Berkeley Bowl West. Okay. Yeah, West had underground parking and it had above-ground parking. Oh. That was great. The only issue I had with Berkeley Bowl was, like, getting into the pandemic. Like, people would line up up the freaking block up to yeah. San Pablo, and that was bananas to me. And I'm just like, oh, please, like, this is the Great Depression. Getting groceries <laughs> is a two- to three-hour ordeal, I felt. And I was like, <laughs> I'm, this is not worth my time just getting groceries. So. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> the poor people of Berkeley lining up for their Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Dude, it was bad. Like, I, I circled it twice. I was like, maybe I'll get it early in the morning. Go at, like, you know, 8, 8.30, yeah. something like that. You know, a reasonable hour. Oh, no, there's a line. I was like, shit, maybe this line will be gone by, like, afternoon. Oh, no, it got worse around, like, 3 o'clock. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, yeah, the pandemic was not kind in Berkeley Bowl took a, a much needed but very painstaking response if you're the consumer and i was like i'm not going back for a bit but my roommate <laughs> seems to go with his girlfriend of him so maybe now's the time to go back um <laughs> i really i really want to find like a, a farmer's market i can go to it's just like i i don't know like saturday morning i don't want to get up and go anywhere because i'm just i just want to sleep in and then Sunday, I guess it's just, I don't want to get, I don't want to like leave in the morning on the weekends. Like if I could go, if there was like a, a farmer's market open from like one to like nine mm-hmm. at night, I would go. <laughs> well, that would be quite fun. Yeah. Well, and I know the South Pasadena one is open later on Thursdays, I think. So I should check and see. Cause I like Probably. South Pasadena and that would be fun. To go. And I could actually take the, um, the train there. The, the stop is right there. Did you ever go to the uh, farmer's market at Civic Center in San Francisco? Um, is that the one by the ferry building? No, it was no. like the, by City Hall and like... No, I've never been to that one. That one's featured, in, I'm pretty sure one's featured in Always Be My Maybe, which is fun. But um, I always remember going there and getting great discounts on like dollar bags of peaches because it was all like the fruit that was like getting kind of overripe. And I was like, oh man, these are delicious though. Like, it was tough to match that. I haven't been back since, but I'm like, ooh, farmer's market peaches are, like, solid to me. Berkeley Bowl peaches are solid to me. Mm. I get Safeway now. (laughs) No, I know. Oh, man, I missed the whole stone fruit season at the farmer's markets. Like, because I don't buy them. I, like, I I do this thing where, like, I want to buy something at the grocery store, and I'm like, no, I'm going to get it at the farmer's market. And then, like... I end up not doing it, and then I end up missing corn season and stone fruit season, and I guess we're yes. now, like, we could still get some plums, maybe, but... I, did you see Kenji, Kenji Lopez's plum cake? 
Uh, maybe we're just getting right into food, but his mm. plum cake video on YouTube? No, I haven't watched that, but uh, tell me about it. Apparently it's very doable. Um, granted, there's a 55-minute bake time, but outside of that, it should be done in like 30, 30 minutes cumulatively, maybe? Oh. But it's just making the batter and then literally cutting into the plums and setting them around the batter on the top. And the batter will overflow on, over that and bake them in. And it, it just looked like a really good plum cake that was really accessible and easy to do. He, he, the man does make things accessible. He made clam chowder in 17 minutes the other day for me, and I was like, wow, exciting. Ooh. I, I, I should, clam chowder sounds really good right now, actually. Maybe we'll do some yeah. clam chowder this week. <laughs> back to that food talk, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially because it's like, um, we're in, we're out of the months with, what are, what's, what's the thing with, uh, you should only have shellfish in months with an R in the name, right? Isn't that it? So you don't have it in, you don't have them in May, June, July, or August. Cause that's, I mean, I've heard it's less true now, but I've heard like, that's like spawning season. And so like, you don't want to eat them one just because you want to make sure that they can regrow but also like you might get them and they might like just be full of you know like spawn i was unaware that that was a thing but i was i was i bought we were at the korean mart yesterday and i eyeballed some uh lobster tails that were from Mm. the frozen section i was just like oh only 40 dollars a pound fascinating Oh, I think I might go to the Korean market today. I want to do this. Um, Eric Kim, who's like my new favorite uh, uh, New York Times uh, food writer, uh, has a good like a, a Instapot recipe for uh, bosom, where, where you like uh, pressure cook the pork belly and then you eat it on the kind of the pickled cabbage leaves. Like, have you have you made the ramen at home using your Instapot? I feel like that's a value. Add. No, is there a is there a Instapot ramen recipe? I'm sure there's multiple. My roommate made a peanut ramen. He was big into mm. that one, but it, the Instapot would help out with that. I feel like, yeah, I bet it would. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hmm, check I it wonder. Out well, now I'm wondering, can you do an... Inst- have you done... Oh, no, you don't have your Instapot anymore. I don't, know. No. I bet you there's a good tonkatsu Instapot ramen broth. Yeah, okay, we're going to look that up. We're now, gonna I'm wondering that. if there's, like, ramen I could make even in a slow cooker. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I tried to do tonkatsu broth before, and I, I cut corners, and I, could, and I, I ultimately tasted why i cut cut corn or like i in the end it wasn't as good as i wanted it to be um but you have to like binging with babish has a really good run through on doing the tonkatsu broth where you like you boil the bones and then you like then you drain them then you wash them then you boil them again and that helps it get this like really nice kind of like milky texture interesting yeah yeah well i just found a new york times slow cooker chicken ramen with bok choy and miso so maybe that's the thing to try six hours and 20 minutes interesting i my biggest thing is i've been trying to track down um like the big pieces of um pork belly because i want to do bacon again but i i don't know if um korean cooking uses like like you like you know how like 99 ranch you can get those just like those slabs of pork belly where it's like just a five pound pork belly yeah 
Like when I, at, at least at the H Mart near us, I only ever see kind of like smaller pieces or it's cut thin. So yeah, yeah. H Mart reminder, everyone get your frozen corn dog. Oh yeah. I get the frozen corn. dog. Have you, you know, there's that memoir out right now called crying in H Mart. No, that's a memoir. Yeah. It's about like a woman and like, uh, I think her mom dies and then she, she like reconnects with, uh, her kind of Korean heritage. I'm like now like making up half of this, making it like connects with her like heritage to uh, f- through f- food, I think, but I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, I I haven't been cooking a whole lot. I've been we've been ordering out a lot. <laughs> Sometimes you're busy. Is that what life is for you? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do some chicken teriyaki tonight, and I, um, I did do. I did have a very good, uh, uh, but I think I talked about this. I made a really, really good Japanese curry, but I talked about that on our last episode. That I, I've been thinking about making a, a second Japanese curry. I mean, it's interesting when, like, I, I'm not used to having less time for cooking. Mm-hmm. And now I'm finding I have to like pre-prep things or make things easier on myself like a regular work week like it's just different and I'm just tired so pastas are generally what I've been doing just because it's yeah. quicker but well, and it's like you get to that point where it's like it makes more sense for you yeah. to order it than it, it does for you to make yeah. it just with your time yeah and it's just like you know what as long as things are open it's fine but I hey I'm trying to figure out crockpot meals now and see yeah. what's doable there because all you need to do is just turn it on and come back to it there you go yeah yeah um yeah so i mean i i and i i think i might make some bread today because it's nice and cool and i want to catch up on bread making Uh, but other than that that's yeah that's where i am yeah it's It's finding the balance again. Both of us have new work schedules. So. I know. I know. Oh, all right. Well, do you want to go on to super and uh, recommendation for you, my yeah. friend? Yeah. My recommendation is going to be uh, Squirrel Girl, which okay. I've been I pulled out from the library and I've been reading, and it's very it's very sweet. It's very funny. It's like. Um, uh, I can see why, like, a certain class of, like, comic bro would absolutely hate this character, but I think she's so fun. And uh, so I'm on volume two right now. I pulled out the first kind of five volumes, and I've been enjoying... I, I don't know. It's just been, it's been nice. It's been good. Yeah. What's what, Do you have a recommendation for the week? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, I'm just going slowly through shows. Um Titans has been very enjoyable for me on HBO Max, I will say. Like, I'm mm. finally, like, getting into that. And we're watching it. Um, it's just, yeah, it's the Batman show I without Batman that I really want to see in live action, and it pays mm. homage to, like, all those characters. And it's really fun to see. I mean, Arrowverse is doing a lot of this stuff first, but then I, I enjoy seeing it also, like, on this stage as well. It's It's a fun show for me. Is it in the Arrowverse, or is it... Uh... Um, I mean, it's a multiverse thing, if you want to go that route. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, like... The first episode literally has Robin going, beating up a whole bunch of villains who all laughed at him because Batman wasn't there, and he's just like, fuck Batman. Like, these are things that happen. But it's, it's fun seeing it in live action. Like, I, you've seen the Teen Titans cartoon, right? 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's kind of like a more mature version of that, and you do get that team coming together. Like it's fun to see Starfire in live action. You know, I did love um, uh, the Robin on the Harley Quinn show. I thought was very that was good. fun. Da- that was Damian Wayne. That made me better. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like Jacob Tremblay, I, I have a feeling he's probably, his voice has changed now, yeah. but like, he, for like a couple of years, he got a lot of work. Uh, did you ever see Good Boys? That was a fun movie. Oh, uh, I really loved Good Boys. Oh, you loved Good Boys? Okay. Yeah, I did. <laughs> didn't know you saw it. There you go. Yeah, no, I really, I really loved Good Boys. That was, that was a good, good movie. Uh yeah. Uh, I saw that like while I was teaching middle school, and it felt like very <laughs> on the nose. No, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, like right, yeah. It, it, but it, it felt accurate, like the the innocence and the like foul mouthedness. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he was just in Luca too, which was enjoyable. I need to see Luca. It's like okay, you wanna know what I love about Luca is yeah. it's not it 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 really not entirely, but it I, for the most part it avoids a lot of the Pixar stereotypes. Like I don't know, there's not like the whole like here's the character you looked up to in the first act and now on the third act you're gonna realize that they're evil. Yeah. <laughs> you're like you're off on a journey and you have to you have to go across this big thing that's gonna take the next ninety minutes so you can get back home and realize home is what you wanted. <laughs> like I like every time like a Pixar movie like 15 minutes into every Pixar movie it's almost like the director just picks up the character and puts them as far away from the thing they want as possible and then the movie is just following them for that like yeah trying to get that nostalgia or whatever they really desire to get home yeah yeah so I um but Luca avoids that and the, the I also thought the animation in Luca was very distinctive I thought they were going in a lot of cool directions so I guess I also recommend Luca okay, I know yeah um yeah so uh do you what's making your week super you know it's honestly nice like we're me and Steph are just figuring out plans for the future and i think thanksgiving will be fun we're looking forward to vegas and it's and i'm figuring out my halloween costume like these are fun things like normal things i didn't really feel like i had during pandemic yeah so it's nice like being able to plan for things like that, like go to Halloween parties and see friends, you know? Yeah, that sounds that. nice. Yeah. How about you? Um, you know, just, I think, um, I feel like I'm, like, work is still stressful, but I feel like I'm getting into a nice balance with it, and, like, David and I are going to go to San Diego this next weekend, and we're going to see a musical I've been really want. Like, I, sorry, we're going to see a musical from a composer I really love, and it's his, like, new musical, and, uh, it's probably gonna not gonna go anywhere beyond this uh, the Old Globe in San Diego, but it will. It might play off Broadway, but this this composer's musicals have a tendency to like be like well reviewed and then close after three months. Oh, yeah. So we'll see. So uh, we're gonna see, and I, I'm ex- I'm excited for that, and um, I don't know. I'm just I I, I feel like. I'm doing well at my job. Uh, I feel like now that I'm saying that, this next week is going to be, like, awful. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, other than that, yeah, things things are good. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so we we decided for our next movie we're going to pick we're going to be watching Dune, the yes. also similarly delayed Dune. And it, whether you watch it on the biggest screen possible as Denis wants or HBO Max, well, we'll be reviewing it. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, it'll be easy for people to access. So yeah. Um, well, other than that, like if anyone wants to go ahead and follow us on social media, we're at From Oak to Oak. That's From Oak Number Two Oak. Or you can like us on Facebook at From Oak to Oak. And if you want to email at us with just comments, suggestions, uh, what have you, uh, we are at From Oak to Oak at Gmail dot com. That's From Oak Number Two Oak. And go ahead and give us a review on any podcatcher you might be listening to us on. Uh, other than that, uh, till next time, Matt. Until next time, Adam. Peace out, Cub Scouts. <laughs>